Now it's time for Jamie Dupree, the most connected man in D.C. on the Sean Hannity Show. All right, he's the most connected man in Washington, D.C. He's our man on the ground, the one and only Jamie Dupree. Sir, how are hey, you? Hey, Sean, how are you doing today? I'm good. A lot of news going on. And uh, most of it having to do with the fact that the Russians, they weren't going after ISIS. Apparently, they were going after the uh, insurgents against Assad. In other words, the people we were supporting. Yeah, the people either that we'd funneled weapons to through the CIA or otherwise. The White House again denouncing those airstrikes today, saying that Russia is making a grave error and miscalculation. I think the maybe the most interesting statement on it came from the defense secretary yesterday, Ashton Carter, who said uh, the Russia was, in a sense, pouring gasoline on a fire in Syria. I mean, think about it. Syria was already messed up uh, with uh, the U.S. and its coalition, Iran, Iraq, the Islamic State, Assad, the Turks, the Kurds. And now you add the, the Russians in there. Certainly, if they're going to base their military there and move to uh, help the Assad regime, one would think that they can prop him up and keep him in power. And then, of course, that upsets the the whole calculus, I think, of the, of the U.S. and the situation in going after the Islamic State. The reaction here in the halls of Congress for Republicans, this just rolls right in, Sean, I think, to their litany of examples in their mind of what they feel like has been a weak foreign policy from the Obama administration and a weak effort against the Islamic State. Uh, I think it's all of the above, and it's also the vacuum that is being filled by Vladimir Putin, his utter contempt for Obama. I mean, you know, he met with Obama the day before. And the interesting part was how the Pentagon said that we found out about the strikes. There was a, a Russian military general in Baghdad because they're starting to work more with the Iraqis. And he went over and basically knocked on the door of the American embassy and handed them a note and said, yeah, you got an hour to clear the skies over Syria. That's well, well, you that's add, what the channel yeah, was. Yeah, add to that. I mean, they're telling American uh, American fighter jets to get out of the area. I mean, you, had a, you, you literally had a Russian general barge into a U.S. military office in the Middle East and order the U.S. to stop flying our aircraft over Syria. And, you know, not only were we having to worry about bumping into the Iranians uh, and everybody else, but now you've got the Russian situation there. And certainly Putin has shown, you know, no, uh, I mean, he he doesn't know the word restraint. I mean, in his mind, what he's trying to do is reestablish the Soviet Union and reestablish Russia as the main superpower uh, opposed to the United States. He's but, made very clear that NATO and the U.S. are his mortal enemy, basically. And I think there's a lot of people here who feel like the U.S. needs to treat him and Russia again like they are the Soviet Union and not try to think you know what that the it's next step in this is going to be. They're going to shoot a drone out of the air. They'll they'll shoot something out of the air. Well, and, and when what, you have twenty uh, something year old uh, you know guys in uh, uh, in combat, basically anything can happen. And of course, that could take the lid off something else. And I, to me, the most interesting part about this is this is I want to say this is the first time since the Afghan invasion by the Soviets in nineteen seventy nine. I think it's the first time that we've seen the Russians deploy forces sort of away from Mother Russia. You know, they've had operations in Chechnya and other places in eastern Ukraine, Crimea and more. But this is the first time that they've gone sort of outside of that umbrella. And obviously they're looking to make themselves a big player and fill that vacuum in the Middle East. Let me move on. There's a, a lot of political news. There was a story that came out today. Uh, Valerie Jarrett throwing Hillary under the bus. Apparently nobody saw it, of course, because it was on MSNBC. But Andrea Mich Mitchell uh was interviewing her about the White House giving Hillary Clinton guidance that was that was forbidding her from using a private email. And Valerie Jarrett said, yeah, we did give that advice. Yeah, we did give that guidance. Absolutely. She went on to say, obviously, want to make sure that we preserve all government records. So there was guidance given that government business should be done on government emails and that if you did use a private email, that it should be turned over. 
It's wow. still been unclear who gave the okay to Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State to set up this unusual private server and use that during her time there. She's kind the of e- saying nobody there, right? Yeah. In the emails that came out yesterday, I mean, there wasn't anything brand new. It was sort of the same uh, kind of stuff we've seen before. Yeah, but more classified documents. Well, you, I was about to say that exact that exact phrase, but there were more documents. that They weren't classified, though, until just basically this week. There are a number of things that I found in going through those emails about... There were about 30 of them that had been classified for the next 15 16 years they wouldn't be released until 2031 and it was hard to tell what exactly it was because they were blacking out entire emails and all kinds of things but yeah there were several that in fact were uh, labeled as secret Mm -hmm. now the clinton people keep saying and they kept saying yesterday as these emails came out that she did not send out classified information it wasn't classified at the time and that's the argument seems like they'll keep making well of course we'll get into this even more in the hearing three weeks from today this is getting worse for her as you said you've used the term first drip 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 and no, it's not yeah, it's going a continued away. drip 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 i mean look we'll have another batch that gets released on the 30th well, what we learned halloween what we learned yesterday is hackers with links to russia tried to infiltrate hillary's server home email server in the closet at least five separate times even as uh even as other emails show her making cavalier jokes about chinese hackers now that's one headline and uh on top of that then you've got russia trying to do that then you've got clinton's emails as more classified information came out of all of this uh, you've got an undercover video showing a Clinton campaign worker breaking election laws again. Uh, we find out that a Hillary top aide cited the danger, Cheryl Mills, of using a private email. Uh, we have 6,300 new pages, more to come. She lashed out at her staff over gay-friendly passports. Uh, she kept apprised of Anthony's Weiner's schedule of that scandal. Uh, an aide was emailing her about anti-Obama buyer's remorse. That's not going to endear her to the Obamas. Uh, so she's, there's, a, there's a lot here. That There's a lot troubles. here, but, but I think it's being viewed in a very partisan way by both sides. So I'm not sure how much of an impact that it has on the Democratic side of the ball, simply because I think as we get closer to this hearing on the 22nd, you've, uh, the, we've, we've gotten the preview this week as a result of Kevin McCarthy's comments on your TV show the other night. Yeah, that's gone viral, re- hasn't it? Well, it's not only the Democrats, it's Republicans who've really been beating yeah. up on Jason McCarthy. Jason Chaffetz. Yeah, downstairs today, just off the floor of the house and on TV, Chaffetz was leading the charge. And here's one quote that he gave to a couple of us. I told him, this is Chaffetz talking about McCarthy. I told him I'm supportive of him, but I have to distance myself from those comments. They were inaccurate and wrong. And I've been surprised by the number of people on the Republican side. I'm not talking interviewing Democrats. I'm talking fellow GOP lawmakers who have pushed back against McCarthy on that in a very public way. And I think that indicates to me that still, even though McCarthy is obviously the heir apparent to Speaker Boehner, that there's still some rumblings going on within the GOP conference. Uh, Speaking of those... By the way, Jason Chaffetz will be on the program tomorrow. Um, this, so uh, I, he's got issues too. The Secret Service was leaking bad information about. Oh, him, that story know? I think is just unbelievable, and unfortunately, it didn't. It, I mean, it, it got front page attention in the Washington Post today, but it hasn't get, sort of gone viral. That to me is one of those stories that really just jumps out at you, simply because of the power of the bureaucracy and the power of the executive branch. If you haven't seen this story, uh, basically there were people at the Secret Service who were not happy that the House Government uh, Operations Committee was delving into 
the uh, the scandals of the Secret Service. Somebody was able to figure out that Jason Chaffetz had once applied for a job with the Secret Service. He was not uh, given one, and uh, they pulled his file, his application. And there were higher-ups who said, basically, leak some stuff out, make life tough for him. And when you get that, you know, going against the people who are conducting the oversight, it's really a reminder of how difficult a job the Congress has, not only to get answers, but to try to drag them out of a bureaucracy mm-hmm. that at times is lined up against them. Let me go back to some Hillary news. The New York Times is reporting that Hillary has hit the panic button over Joe Biden's impending entry into the race. Now, he is not going to be in the first CNN debate October 16th. He'll skip that one. Jorge Ramos interviewed Al Gore. I think I was one of the few people to mention Al Gore may think about getting into this race. He said today he's not. I, I, I more and more I'm thinking Vice President Biden is not getting in the race. Uh, I, it just to me that that I mean the announcement yesterday that Hillary Clinton had raised twenty eight million and Bernie Sanders had raised twenty four million. I mean every day that goes by and the vice president's not in the race, you're way behind in the money chase right now. I don't know. It just seems like we've been doing this for so almost you- two months now, and uh, I just. Uh, I'm going to have to see a little more out of the VP than uh, than just sort of all this. Then talk. why did Gore? He was asked three specific times by Jorge Ramos if he's running, and he wouldn't come out and just say no. Well, uh, mainly because a lot of people like Trey Gowdy yesterday wouldn't say yes that he was actually running for re-election or not retiring. Sometimes you get just sort of the uh, uh, the 98 percent reply instead of the 100 percent. You know, it's amazing. I'm actually for the first time believing that Bernie Sanders, assuming that no one else gets in the race. Bernie Sanders raised nearly as much money as Hillary in this quarter. Yeah. That is a huge This story. is not somebody who is just, uh, you know, sort of gaining a little and he's on the margins or something like that. He got to a million donors more quickly than Barack Obama did in the 2008 election. And and Sanders has been able to bring in 24 million I mean, in one quarter. I mean, this is not evidence of a guy who's just sort of poking along and, you know, has a few college kids running around for him or anything. It's a it's a distinct challenge. Now, that being said, the polling numbers are still sort of trending in Hillary Clinton's favor nationally. Uh, but, you know, that we don't elect presidents nationally in terms of the of the party primary system. All right. So I guess McCarthy met with the Freedom Caucus yep. members. And as you pointed out, I, somebody told me last night that there were 10,000 related stories to my interview with McCarthy, most of them covering his comments about, well, we drove down Hillary's numbers. I think all he was saying is, yeah, we're willing to fight. We know she's lying, and it it ended up having a political consequence. I I thought maybe inarticulate, but but certainly not taking the way the media and Hillary Clinton is running with it. Well, by the way, I'm so glad Hillary Hillary watches my show. And a lot of Republicans who are taking it uh, that way as well. I'd say this. I'd say in the hallways here at the Capitol, there is a feeling a lot of people like Kevin McCarthy on the Republican side. A lot of people think that he's he's a a good guy that can and they can follow John Boehner. But there's also a lot of people who think that he hasn't realized yet that he could say things as majority leader and majority whip that you can't say as speaker. There is a different level of scrutiny and of reports. And then if you're going to take that step into the top leadership job, you have to conduct yourself in a slightly different way. So I have a level of scrutiny as a talk show host, right? Yes. Okay. If I ran for president, I would assume that level will go go up dramatically. Like you would be asking me questions and I would turn to you and say, I want to rip your head off. Um, you know, today down <laughs> off the House floor... Ja- Jamie, that was a joke, Jamie. Okay, today off the House floor, we were talking to a number of the more conservative Republicans, and again, 
asking them, are you going to run anybody? Uh, and, you know, nobody was doesn't talking look about like it. It doesn't look like it, though. There was there was some talk again about somebody in the shadows unnamed that might come out before next week. But still, that, that seems unlikely. Tuesday, evidently, both McCarthy and Webster will go before the Freedom Caucus to try to get their endorsement. There's a lot of grumbling from the Freedom Caucus members about McCarthy. Uh, but well, but I don't they're know not that putting anybody up. We talked about that yesterday. Yeah, they're not embracing Webster or anything like that. So we're just sort of in that same situation. But I tell you, there's there's definitely a lot of bruised feelings, I think, uh, uh, in in the Republican Party. And, and there's a number of Republicans that I've talked to of sort of on the veteran side that say no matter who wins next Thursday, the entire Republican caucus should get behind that person and yeah. not then have a fight on the floor about it. In other news, CNBC unveiled new criteria. You need at least 3% of the polling average to get into the main show. Yeah, the CNBC will have the next GOP debate. It's going to be in Boulder, Colorado on the 28th, so the, the last week of this month. And as you mentioned, you've got to average 3%. You can get like 2.5 and get rounded up in the national polls from the major organizations. Rand Paul right now is under that mark. His numbers have gone down that much. Chris Christie and Mike Huckabee are right on the number of 3%. So it's only going to take one or two bad polls for you in the next couple of weeks. And that could knock any of those three down to the pre-debate forum, which only says if you have 1% in any poll in, the, in those five, six weeks, then you can get in. I know some people aren't going to like me saying this, because I, I'm interviewing the candidates. If you don't have 3%, I think the rule is fair. I, it's, I just, we need, at some point, you've got to pull at least 5%. At some point, you just yeah. Well, uh, this is an average. It's not just that I understand. You can find. Yeah, no. I'm, listen, I'm, as as a as a as a reporter, you just have to look at it and say you can't have debates with eleven people. It doesn't it, it, work. You it, can't have another three-hour debate like oh we had. God, at the that was library. Awful. That was, yeah, was so awful. Too long. Ninety minutes at most. Oh, it was awful. All right, Jamie Dupree. Uh, thank you for being with us. See you, Sean. Yeah, I'm sorry you missed my joke. That was a joke. I'm sorry, buddy. I'll try harder next time. We'll continue. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.